Good evening, everybody. My name's Anthony Stander, and I pastor a church called Living Waters Community Fellowship here in Parklands in Cape Town. And you are most welcome to join me with a message tonight called Power with God. And our opening scripture is Genesis 32, verse 28, the second part, which says, For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and have prevailed. What a wonderful statement that you have power with God. We would all like to be able to say that we have power with God. Now there are times in my life when I feel that my prayers are answered, and when I rebuke the demons in Jesus' name and they flee, And sometimes when I pray, the very air around me is charged with power. But there are times when I feel alone and heaven seems a long way off and my prayers don't feel effective. We will read an account of an ordinary man called Jacob who rose from brokenness and deceit to a prince that had power with God. We must also mention Esau, the opposite of Jacob, and a man of whom God said in Romans 9.13, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. The birth of Jacob and Esau involved a physical struggle between two newborn baby brothers. Genesis 25:24-26. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore, sixty years old when she bare them. The struggle which had begun inside the womb was carried outside as Jacob and Esau were born. This would foreshadow the struggle which would consume much of their lives. It would have eternal consequences. This struggle would also manifest itself in respective countries of Jacob and Esau, Israel and Edom, God's kingdom and the worldly kingdom to one of which we all belong. We can even ask the question of people today, are you a Jacob or an Esau? They both grew up under godly parents, yet they chose different paths. The name of each son was indicative of their characteristics. Esau means red. Esau apparently was a hairy man and his hair was red. Jacob means heel grabber. Some scholars have said this implies supplanter or schemer or deceiver, of which Jacob surely becomes in his life. The prophet Hosea had this to say about the birth of Jacob. Hosea 12 verse 3. In the womb he grasped his brother's heel, and as a man he struggled with God. Jacob and Esau were very different from the moment of their birth. Rebekah had already received the prophecy from God that the youngest would rule over the eldest. Scripture does not specify, but it seems logical that she would have reported this to Isaac. As the younger Jacob emerged with a grip on Esau's heel, Rebekah and Isaac surely would have been reminded of God's prophecy. The struggle between Jacob and Esau had begun and would eventually divide the family. The struggle between the world and God's kingdom still rages today, even in our own families. The Bible tells us Jacob and Esau grew up very different. Esau is said to have been a cunning hunter, a man of the field, whereas Jacob was said to have been a plain man dwelling in tents. Scripture paints a picture of complete opposite personalities, motivations, pursuits and interests. 
Esau was an outdoorsman. He lived for the hunt and enjoyed his game by eating the meat. We are told Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob because he did eat of his venison and he was a hunter. This becomes important as the narrative continues because it seems to imply Isaac let his appetite get in the way of God's plan. Even though God had prophesied Jacob would rule, Isaac continued to favor Esau chiefly because of his venison and because he was a wild man, a man's man, a mighty hunter. I think many men would like their sons to be strong, a boxer, MMA fighter, a rough man, more than a soft and gentle boy. Esau was rugged, hairy, a man's man. But he was also a fornicator and profane, according to Hebrews 12, 16. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as his oldest son. Esau would further distance himself from God's command by marrying two Canaanite women described in Genesis 26, 34-35. And when Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. How many of you know that marrying a non-believer is against God's word then and today? It would bring me grief to me if any of my children married an unbeliever, and so it was with Isaac. Rebekah further uses this as an excuse to send Jacob away to find a wife from their own people, as God had ordered Abraham to do. Scripture explicitly states Esau's wives brought, wives brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. This grief was more than likely twofold. Grief over Esau taking from the daughters of Canaan and grief over the fact that these Canaanite women were in all probability idolaters. Their influence on Esau would not be good. Jacob. The fundamental difference in the character of Jacob and Esau can be seen in Jacob's description as a plain man. The King James Version calls Jacob a plain man. The NIV calls him a quiet man. The NSAB calls him a peaceful man. The actual Hebrew word used in this verse is tam. This word was used by God himself to describe Job's character to Satan in Job 1 verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Imagine if the Lord could say that about you and me today. Job didn't live in a time when uh, people were born again and washed by the blood of Jesus and had the armor of God and had the name of Jesus Christ. Yet God could say that about Job. There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. The King James translates Job 1.8 as perfect. Taken in context with this verse, Jacob was much more than a plain, quiet, or even peaceful man. He was a man of God, blameless and upright, although he had very serious flaws. When reading the Old Testament, God often refers to kings and says their hearts were right with God, not necessarily their works. Rebekah favored the reflective and spiritual Jacob. 
Between Jacob and Esau, scripture clearly indicates Jacob was more concerned with affairs of God than was Esau. Jacob had a heart for God. As Jacob tended the flocks and dwelt among the tents, he was likely to have learned to cook, as Esau had with venison. Jacob is doing just that in Genesis 25-29. Esau runs in from the field as Jacob is preparing a pot of stew. The logical assumption is Esau's hunt was unsuccessful, and scripture says he was famished, angry or weary. He asked Jacob for a bit of his stew. Jacob agrees, though only in exchange for Esau's birthright. Esau's flippant answer illuminates his mindset. Genesis 25-29 Behold, I'm about to die, so of what use then is this birthright to me? Can you imagine that? Details are not given as to Esau's conditions yet. The implication is he was weary, perhaps faint from hunger. Jacob forces Esau to swear the birthright to him. Scripture casually relates Esau ate and drank and rose and went on his way. We gasp at that scripture, but we see it all the time today. It is said that 75% of young people that have grown up as Christians and go to university or college forsake their faith and choose the world. Like Esau, they forsake the great calling of God and choose the world. Who would not choose to have God in their lives? Well, the Esau's of this world. The next passage in scripture is dealing with Jacob and Esau and begins in Genesis 27. Isaac was aging and has lost his vision. He called his eldest and favorite son to him with one last request. Isaac tells Esau to go to the field, kill some game and prepare it. And after the meal, he would bless Esau. Rebecca's listening through the tent and overheard the conversation and immediately sent for her favorite son, Jacob. What unfolds between Jacob and Esau is reminiscent of a modern-day soap opera. While Esau is out in the field hunting, Jacob and Rebekah are busy preparing some game, apparently from the nearby flocks and herds. Rebekah prepares the venison as Isaac likes it. However, one problem exists which they must improvise for and hope it's successful if their plan is to work. Jacob and Esau possess different bodies. Esau was a hairy man made evident through scripture. Jacob, however, was not. In order to deceive Isaac, Jacob and Rebekah would have to simulate Esau's hairiness. To solve this problem, Rebekah dressed Jacob in Esau's clothes to simulate his smell. She then took the skin of the kids or goats and put them on Jacob's skin and the smooth parts of his neck. Only then does Jacob take the prepared meal into his father. Isaac sensed something wasn't right at this whole situation and heard the sound of Jacob's voice. He ushered Jacob forward and grabbed his hands, feeling for the thick hair of his elder son Esau. Genesis 27-22 The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. With this, the deception is complete. Isaac blesses Jacob in Genesis 27 27 to 29. Esau arrives back as soon as Isaac had finished the blessing of Jacob. When Esau approached his father, Isaac suddenly realized what had happened. The deception 
was complete. Upon the sudden and shocking revelation, Isaac is said to have trembled very exceedingly. Morris points out that Hebrew scholars have translated this phrase as Isaac trembled most excessively with a great trembling. Now that's trembling greatly. That's being shocked to the core of your being. The image is vivid. Isaac can offer nothing to Esau but a blessing which may be better characterized as a curse. And you can read that in Genesis 27, 39-40. Just like those who forsake their godly birthrights and go back to the world, they receive a curse and not a blessing. Things do not go well with them. Esau became utterly enraged and swore to kill Jacob once Isaac had passed in Genesis 27:41. The struggle between Jacob and Esau escalated to a life and death situation. So would begin a 20-year separation between Esau and Jacob. Esau chose the world and Jacob followed a journey with God. He loves God, but he's still a deceiver, a supplanter and a weak man. Now, after a life of many trials and hardships, he goes through many trials, and you can read that for yourself in Genesis. He goes through many trials and tribulations, of which all of us must walk through, even as Christians. We've all got to walk through trials and hardships so that our faith may grow, and we may be found, we may be found faithful in following God on this earth. We are all to be tried in the cauldron and in the furnace of affliction here on this earth. And we embrace it because we know that God uses it to change us into the image of his son. Our character must be changed and our lives must reflect the face of Christ in all we do before we leave for the next world. We can't take our drunkenness with us. There's no bars in heaven. We can't take our addictions with us. There's no addictions in heaven. We can't take our angry temper with us that we can't control. Because we can't shout like that on the golden streets of the city of God. We have to change. And we have to uh, go through sometimes many trials and hardships before we change. We join Jacob again in Genesis 32.1. He's been, had gone through many years of hardship and suffering and looking after sheep and being betrayed and, 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 go, and, and really having to f fight for his way through. And now he's on his way back to, the, to his old land. And in Genesis 32 verse 1, it says, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. Can you imagine? Verse 2, And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. What a wonderful meeting. The angels of the Lord meet Jacob and welcome him after so many years of suffering and hardship. But Jacob is changing. This meeting makes him confident and he feels that he needs to make his mistakes right with his brother. As all people of God do on our journey, we realize we've got to fix up our mistakes. Genesis 32.3 And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau his brother and to the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them saying, Thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob says thus, I have lived with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks, men servants and women servants. And I've sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in his sight. He's reaching out to his brother. He's trying to make right. But he gets the wrong reaction. Genesis 32 verse 6. 
And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and also he comes to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Jacob gets the fright of his life. He has Esau coming with four hundred soldiers with him in a dust cloud, and he thinks Esau's coming to kill him now. Jacob has just met angels and had incredible encounters with God, but his humanness gets the better of him and he starts to panic, just like we do. Even though we are Christians and believers, we often panic when hard, evil tidings come or trouble comes or we receive an evil message. Genesis 32 verse 7 Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He wasn't just freaked out a little bit. He was greatly afraid and, and utterly distressed. And he divided the people was with, that was with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. Jacob panics and divides up his flocks and his family and sends him in batches ahead of him with a massive present in front for his brother. He then sends his wife and children also ahead of him. I mean, who does that? Who sends their wife and children into the danger, into the mouth of the lion? Well, Jacob did. He's hoping his brother would be appeased by these gifts and by seeing his children and his wife. And he's left alone and he calls upon the Lord to deliver him. He's scared, he's frightened, he's not sure what to do now. And he finds himself alone at the river Jabbok, alone and scared. Genesis 32 uh, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone and they wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. So he wanted to cross the river, but a man appeared in front of him and wouldn't let him. He tried to walk this way, I wouldn't let him walk this way. Tried to walk that way, couldn't walk. In the end, it turned into a wrestling match. And this wrestling match continued throughout the night. The man says nothing, but stops Jacob from crossing the river. This quickly develops into an extreme wrestling match. Then the man who is wrestling with Jacob sees that he's not prevailing against Jacob, so he does something supernatural. Genesis 32, 25. And when the angel that was wrestling against him saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Jacob then realized he's not wrestling an ordinary man. This is not an ordinary being. That this being was able to put his hip out with a touch, He's in total pain now and his hip is out of joint. But Jacob realized this is a supernatural being and he saw his chance for change. And he held on to the angel and he was not going to let go of him without a supernatural blessing. He thought, here's my chance. So through his pain and his tiredness, he held on for dear life. Doesn't this sound like a Christian walk in many ways? Genesis 32, 26. And the angel said, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I'll not let you go except you bless me. A very cold chill went down Jacob's spine because he knew that it must have been the angel of the Lord wrestling with him because if he saw the face of the Lord, he would die. So Jacob held on more. He'd rather die than not be blessed. He was going to hang on no matter what. Jacob was sick and tired of himself. He wanted something different. He didn't want to be scared anymore. He didn't want to be a deceiver anymore. He wanted God to change him once and for all. So he held on. I will not let you go unless you bless me, he said to this angel. Genesis 32, 27. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. 
And he said, Your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Isn't that absolutely incredible? His name was changed to Israel, Prince of God. Jacob was forever changed by this encounter. He was scarred for life as his hip was not healed and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. But he was not Jacob anymore. He was Israel, Prince of God. And he now had power with God and with men. This had been a long journey for Jacob and it was sorted out in a night of wrestling with God and not giving up until the Lord blessed him. When Jacob encountered his wild brother, God had changed everything for Jacob, his future, his brother, his destiny. Genesis 33, 4. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. God can turn even your enemies around when you've had a night of wrestling with the Lord. What do we learn from this account? How does this benefit us in the New Testament? Sometimes we need to spend serious time wrestling with God in prayer for our deliverance or to change our circumstances or to change the direction of our life. I've had to do this many times in my life and in fact many Christians listening to this message right now know exactly what we're talking about. In times of great distress and danger I've had to seek God and wrestle with the darkness and with heaviness and with depression and pray through and get deliverance. Sometimes I've had to pray with my whole heart and tears before I had peace and victory. A song by Dallas Home says, you know, it's called Jesus, I'm an open book, was a song for me in my early Christian walk 35 years ago when I was in a really dangerous place and I was saved and I was struggling to uh, keep the faith and I was under a lot of pressure. And uh, this song, I, I never forgot these verses because I understand them. And I understand that sometimes you've got to pray until you get the victory. And the, one of the verses goes, says, I can't believe how I've wasted so many years. I can't believe how I've cried so many tears. If my sorrow could be measured by the tears that I've cried, there'd be an ocean from where I stand that would reach to the other side. The chorus is, but now, Jesus, I'm an open book. Won't you read every page of my heart? Jesus, won't you take a look and help me find a brand new start? Many times in my Christian walk, especially in my early years, I had to lie on the floor and say to the Lord, here's my heart, look in my heart, fix me, because I can't fix myself. So don't give up. Go somewhere where you can be alone and determine you'll not leave that place of prayer until you are blessed and free from sin or that mountain that stands in front of you is removed and, and absolutely completely done away with that stands and stops you from becoming the person of God that you should be. Luke 18 verse 1 Jesus said and he spoke a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint not to give up never give up Keep going, keep fighting, keep wrestling, keep praying for victory, keep believing God. Fast, do whatever you must do, but don't give up. There's no place for us, no surrender, no retreat in the, in the kingdom of God. God frequently chooses the weaker and younger over the older and stronger. God chose Jacob over Esau, Abel over Cain, Isaac over Ishmael, Joseph over his brothers, Ephraim over Manasseh, 
David over his brothers and Solomon over Adonijah. This trail continues into the New Testament when God chooses Jesus, born in a stable, raised in despised Nazareth, poor and lowly, to be the seed of the woman. And Jesus in turn chooses lowly disciples to be his representative to the nations. As God assures his people in the Old Testament of their ultimate victory, so Jesus assures his people in the New Testament of our ultimate victory. Jesus promised his disciples that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Depression, oppression and suppression will not prevail against you if you wrestle and, and, and win in prayer. Jesus acknowledges to disciples, in the world you will have tribulation. Yet immediately assures his disciples, but take hearts, I have overcome the world. In John 16.33. Isn't that wonderful? All of us older Christians understand that. We've been through much trials and tribulations in all the years we've been Christians. But Jesus has always been there. And we are always able to dispel the, dark, the darkness through prayer, through fasting, and through not giving, and through God's word. Always been able to win because he already won for us. So let's not be discouraged or despair. By his grace, God has chosen his weak and despised people to be his victorious people. I want to encourage you today. You may be a Jacob, a failure, a liar, a supplanter. But if you seek the Lord with all your heart, mind and soul and pray with an attitude that you will not give up unless the Lord blesses you, you too will arise, change forever and become a prince with God and have power with God on this earth and be an overcomer in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this message has encouraged you and I want to pray for you before we close. I want to ask God to really help you in your situation wherever you find yourself right now. Don't give up. Go to the place of where you can be alone with the Lord, get on your knees, call out to the name of the Lord. And don't get up until you feel changed, until your, His presence has come into your life. Don't give up. Father God, I pray for everybody listening here today, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you'd bless them. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help everybody to apply these lessons that you put in the Bible for us, Lord, to learn from what happened in the past, to apply it to our life today, Lord. I pray for people today, Lord, that you'd strengthen every believer, Lord, that they'll shake off the mantles of depression, oppression, suppression in Jesus' name, and be set free, Lord, and serve you. We, we give you our hearts, Lord. Again, we renew our commitment to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys, for listening to me. May God bless you this week in Jesus' name. Amen.